How can you get a home when the bank says no? This podcast is dedicated to the 1 in 10 homeowners denied each year by the banks. Welcome to the pre-approved podcast. If you are in a lease with the option to buy a property and you're looking to get out, here are three ways that you can do that. The three options would be to, number one, exercise your option and buy the property. Number two is to leave. And number three is to assign it. So let's break down these three different buckets. Number one is exercising your option. So this was clearly laid out or should have been laid out in your option agreement. This is going to include your purchase price, any rent credits, any option fees that go towards your down payment and the logistics of closing a property. So when you're going to exercise your option, you're typically going to be exercising your option and purchasing it with the bank. Of course, you could exercise your option and just pay it off in cash. And whatever the dollar amount is, you would exercise your option. You would go to the title company or however you wanted to file and get the deed to transfer into your name. You could pay it off. The other way is to finance it with the bank, which is what most individuals will fall into if they're looking to exercise their option because most individuals are trying to get a bank loan. They can't quite get it. They get into a lease-to-own situation. They need two years, three years, four years, and then they can exercise the option. So you're going to want to talk with your lender, and you're going to say, here's the property that I'm buying. Here's the purchase price. Here's the option agreement. Oftentimes, your lender can use that to run their numbers to get you, quote-unquote, pre-approved to buy that property. Now, this isn't technically a refinance on a lease with the option to buy because you are you have the option to buy it. If you were on a contract for deed, it would look more like a refinance because you already have some documents filed at the county. So with the lease option, you would go to your lender, you would go to a title company, you would get the purchase agreement or your option agreement to the title company, and if they need any other additional documents, you get those squared away so that you can start proceeding to closing of the property, just like you normally would if you were just buying a property outright. You have a purchase agreement between a buyer and a seller. You have a bank and you have a title company involved. Make sure that you get insurance. So you're going through this. You need to make sure that the how much is the lender going to fund. Let's say it's a $300,000 house. The lender might be able to bring $250,000. So you might have to come up, even though you've been building some equity, Maybe you need $10,000 to exercise your option because the bank's going to lend you 250. It's at 300. You got, you know, maybe 30 grand or 40 grand of equity built up into the home. So you need to come up with that additional 10 grand and now you've officially closed on the property. The titles came to your name and you're into a more traditional lending situation with the bank. I think some people can get hung up here because the seller And the buyer might not have all the exact details of what this looks like, who's paying for taxes, how are special assessments prorated. Hopefully the title company can help you flesh all of that out if it's not specifically written in your option agreement of what needs to be covered. And so you're going to really want to look at your HUD statement prior to closing to make sure that any credits discounts, taxes are appropriately accounted for so that your cash to close is correct. So you want to you want to be really on board with your bank and with your title company to make sure that you can get this squared away. 
Some lenders are not familiar with option agreements. They're, they're seen or they're used to the more traditional purchase agreements. So an option agreement looks a little bit funny to them. What I've seen in the past is sometimes the seller and the buyer will just enter into a new agreement. They say, yep, I'm exercising the option. Let's sign a new purchase agreement that just spells out exactly how much we're paying for, inspection contingencies, all of that fun stuff, just so that it looks more like a traditional transaction when you're exercising your options. So you can hand that to the bank or to the title company to make things go a little more smoothly. Now, option number two is to not exercise your option and simply leave. This would be terminating your contract on the rental agreement, saying, I'm not going to renew this. I'm going to stop paying rent. You're going to forfeit any option fee dollars that you would have put in for your option because typically that's non-refundable. And you can just simply walk away as if you'd been renting the property at the end of your standard lease. The only time that I've seen individuals do this is when the market has significantly dropped. On an earlier episode, this would be, you know, you moved into the house, you had an option to buy it for 200,000, property's been going up, it's worth 220, it's worth 230, and just before you're going to option it, the market crashes and now this home is only worth 150,000. Well, it doesn't make sense to exercise your option at 200,000 if the property is only worth 150,000. And so by paying that option fee, you had the exclusive right to buy the property, but that doesn't mean that you had to buy it. So you've just kind of walked away then from this property and can now go buy that same property for maybe 150,000 or less or working with the seller. Maybe you can renegotiate some terms that works out best for you. Otherwise, it's just some protection against a market going down, although you do lose that option fee, which can be significant and oftentimes is not what someone wants to do. And something I likely would not recommend is is bowing out of the property if the market fails because you, you do not want to sell at a low point. I could see there being some higher negotiation on your part because the seller, in this case, if the market is crashing, likely is not going to have a good buyer. So I think you would have more leveraging power to negotiate as opposed to leaving, talking about, you know, how much of your option goes towards it, maybe a reduced rent amount before you would ever leave. The last option is to assign your option agreement. If you look at your option agreement, it may or may not specifically state whether or not you can assign this. And assigning it just means you're giving someone else the right to buy this property. So imagine that you moved into a house two years ago, you have this option to buy it, at 200,000. You put 10 grand down and so your balance is let's say 190,000 if you were going to buy this home outright 2 years later. Assuming that the property is worth maybe $250,000 now, you could go out and find someone that maybe wants to buy that property for 250,000. So you could assign your option to buy that property to this third party who's willing to pay a higher price. So the seller, the original seller gets their 190,000 and then you get to take the spread between what your price was and what you sold it for by assigning it and that would be a way to still recoup some of your money by essentially just listing the property for sale so that the owner still gets their original capital back.
And you'll note that the original seller cannot list the property for sale because you have the first right of refusal. You have the option to buy the property. They can't sell it from under you because you have the option to buy it, which is why a lot of times the seller and the optionee will have a non-assignable clause in their contract, which, which basically states that you can't go out and mark the property on their behalf. But if it was a, a reasonable seller, and depending on what your state law requires, whether or not they put it in the contract may be a mute point. You might be able to just do it anyways. Just because someone says something in a contract doesn't make it legal. I've seen landlords put plenty of illegal things on contracts and the other party just assumes that's because it's part of a contract that they have to follow it. It isn't always the case. And so that's where a, a good attorney can tell you the difference between the two or finding some friendly free resources for residents or tenants. And so what I really wanted to focus on on this option was if you if you got into this property, you have the option to buy it and the property's gone up, but for some reason you want to move, but you've kind of built up this equity in the home because you have this option to buy it at 190 and then you have the option of you know, selling it instead of closing on the property using your own financing, as we just described in the very first part of this series, which was exercising your option and then trying to list it you can kind of bypass that and go straight to listing it to get everyone their money back. So there you have it on the three ways of getting out of a lease to own home. It's either exercising your option so that you are no longer in an option agreement. Number two was to simply leave. And number three was to get creative and assign it or sell the property to take out your interest in the property. All of these are caveated that this is specifically lease to own homes. If it's a contract for deed home, there's three little different twists on this. So if you're in a contract for deed home, there isn't this option to exercise the agreement. You're just in the agreement. You have an amortization schedule. You're paying a certain amount of principal and interest each month. So there is not an option to exercise to buy the property because you've already bought it. You can't necessarily leave a contract for deed. You are in default if you just stop paying. So this is where you have a lot more ownership in it, but there's less flexibility in a contract for deed because you can't just exercise an option. You can't leave it. You could, however, depending on what the contract says, assign it to another party if someone else is willing to take it over, but it's usually subject to the seller's approval just because you're making your payments. You can't just have a friend come in and then the friend might not make payments because the original agreement was between party A and party B and party C would need to get vetted by party A to make sure that everyone is okay with them taking over your contract for deed. So most people on a contract for deed will either just refinance with the bank or outright sell the property listed on the MLS and just take their sale profits from that. So those are the, the main differences between lease to own and contract for deeds if you're trying to get out of these particular contracts. Of course, the disclaimer here being if anyone is uh, interested in doing this, knowing your specific state situation and information is going to be most useful and a qualified real estate attorney would be your best resource in answering any of these questions. Hope this was helpful for you.
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. You can always learn more by reaching out to us at homeequitypartner.com. Have a good day.